Are you ready, America? It's time for another edition of Game On. With your host, Stephen, Stevie Ray Braun, and Brad, Bad News Bollinger. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Game On. Talking about your favorite sports and different parts of life. Might even get a little take on Lane Kiffin's wife. They tell you what they think, you're not afraid to take a stance. They'll give you the number of pleats in Charlie Weiss's pants. They're the game on guys, see sports through their eyes. Political correctness just up and dies when they give you their views on any sport you want to hear. Game on guys, eating fries, drinking beer. That's right, it is Game On. I'm Steve Braun. That is Brad Bollinger. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, doing well. Can't complain by any means. Um... So I want to I want to start off. You seem to enjoy Steve the Dad stories, so <laughs> I'm going to play something for you. Um, my daughter Caroline, as you know, has come across. So we, we're in the potty training stage, which I don't know how much you could say training. It's more just pray and hope that it happens. <laughs> Anyways, we got pull ups. We've we, she's been in pull ups for a while now but we noticed that i think the last box that we bought they have this deal where you can call disney characters and as i pull this up for you it it sounds i'll I'll play it for you and then i'll get your thoughts okay Greetings, fellow Space Ranger. This is Buzz Lightyear calling in. I hear that you're setting off on a new mission. Well, congratulations, cadet. If you stick to the plan and trust in your training, I'm sure you'll reach that goal in no time. Well, Star Command is requesting me, but I'm just an intergalactic call away if you ever need to talk again. Until then, Buzz Lightyear, over and out. Thanks for taking the call, big kid. Don't be a stranger. Call back anytime. So, yeah. Okay. It's stuff like that. It's like, hey, you're, I heard you're going on an adventure. Mm-hmm. If you stick what? to the plane. It's basically if you need a motivational speech, right? I yeah. can send this to you. I was going to say, why don't they have that for adults? They, pr- I mean, maybe it is intended for adults. Mom and Dad. Is it free? Yeah, it's free. Okay. We need so a free hotline for adults. You just go to pullups.com. Okay. And I guess I could do that. Yeah. Potty training resources. Did they specify that it was just for kids? I mean, I mean, it was on the pull-ups, so. Well, I know. And it does say big kid. Well, I mean, how many adults have been referred to as big kids, you know? Here you go. Here's, here's another for you. Yeah. Give me another. You have a call from Mickey Mouse. Is a big kid there? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, hiya, pal. It's me, Mickey Mouse. Hey, I Mickey. just heard the great news that you're getting started on a cool new adventure. I am. You're right. hot yeah. dog. Congratulations, pal. Just make Thank sure you. you stick to the plan, okay? What oh, does that mean? Don't forget, <laughs> That's I'll be ominous. here in case you ever want to call again. Well, now. so long for now, and I'll see you real soon. <laughs> Do you have a now, friend? Thanks for taking hold the call. Do you have a friend that has a drinking problem? Why does Mickey Mouse encouraging them to stick to the it, plan? Why did that sound so ominous? Did you notice that? Like Mickey just in the middle was like, "Hey, make sure you stick to the plan, though." Yeah. I feel like we're like they're all like that. They all planning, say planning a heist or something. You just like, stick to the plan. 
It felt mildly threatening, to be honest with you. Don't screw this up. It was kind of scary, a little bit scary, but if you I mean your sweet pants I guess. once again. Yeah, I might have to send I have that a special to her. set of skills. <laughs> ah! Oh god. Sorry. Mickey's over here. It's oh my coming god. after you. Oh my god. Oh my. It was ominous. It was Mickey. Oh no. I shouldn't have said anything. Are you okay? Never challenge the mouse. Is the mouse after you? The mouse is Okay, I'm I'm better now. Jesus. Brad. I was already Use on your edge code of the word. thing. Use your code word that Dirk isn't the greatest basketball player of all time. <laughs> I'll know you're in trouble. I'm glad you remembered my code word. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, th okay, first of all, I think that's pretty fun and neat and everything, and I do think adults could use that. I, I've, you know, I could have used it many times in my life. You've got people in mind that you're going to send it yeah. to, aren't you? Yeah, but uh, I'm going to get to the bottom of this Mickey thing because I don't know why he's like vaguely threatening us like what are we supposed to what do we know just stick to the plan do you know what he's talking about steve uh i think the plan is don't poo and pee your pants well and keep using the potty and if you do I mean, that <laughs> we'll get you out of pull-ups that's kind of uh verbatim what we told our friend david back in the day so back in the day that was last week yeah he's got a girlfriend now so he's mature yeah he is he is <laughs> hey, you can find us not on one of those dating apps like David found his. You can find you can, me. Yeah, you can find Brad there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and TikTok at GameOnPod on both of those. You can visit our website, GameOnPod.com. Email GameOn at gmail.com. And on Twitter, we are at GameOnGuys. Uh, Brad, the Super Bowl has happened Fifty mm seventh -hmm. Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs victorious over the Philadelphia Eagles. A game that came down to the final minute, final moments of the contest, and uh, I don't know. It was uh, probably one of the better Super Bowls we've seen in uh, in a very long time. I agree, and I really enjoyed pretty much every aspect of it as well. Um, I will say we didn't really have the volume too loud, so I didn't really hear a lot of the commercials, so not a judge there. But um, as far as the game goes, I really enjoyed it. Uh, super competitive, super entertaining. Um, I even enjoyed the halftime show. I think it was a solid show. Like, the production value was really, really good. Some of those camera angles that they got during Rihanna's performance was amazing. And, of course, she got everyone talking with her uh, pregnancy announcement as well. Yeah. Um, it kind of, like... You know, I think we were all kind of like talking to each other during the uh, actual performance. Like, is she pregnant or am I just being insensitive? Like, what what's going on here? Because I know she has like a seven month old, so it was like maybe she just needs a little more recovery time. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I, don't I don't know. I'm scared. But uh, <laughs> there was women there, so I didn't want to like you, you know. Didn't want to offend anybody. I get it. No, I, I just wanted to ask very carefully what I was thinking, but they were already saying it, so I felt better. But yeah, it was it was very cool. Um, I just like I, I I was enjoying myself the entire time, and I really appreciate that. Um, now, specifically the 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 result, um, it's kind of what I mean. I feel like you and I have talked about this a lot, but the Chiefs just managed to find ways to pull the pull mm -hmm. things out of their behind uh, a lot, and I think it's pretty um, fair to say that. The Philadelphia Eagles are probably a better football team than the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Chiefs have the best player in the league, and they have an all-time tight end who is possibly the best receiving tight end in the history of the game. So, I mean, when you just have special players like that, they're going to make plays uh, when you need them most, and they certainly did. Um, there was a questionable call at the end that I didn't enjoy. I'm not going to act like that was the reason that they won. Yeah. Um, but I think that was a shame that, you know, something like that had to happen towards the end of a really, really uh, well-played game. And I don't even think the officials up until that point were really getting in the way either. Um, so just an unfortunate, uh, you know, minor situation there. But overall, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, there was – I think there was a lot of question marks about would the Eagles defensively be able to make a difference? Um, and we, we saw 
A, that the Chiefs offensive line um, played like you would expect with the talent that they have, even with the way that Hassan Reddick has played all season um, and had played down the down the line there late in the season and postseason um, to, to you not give up a sack to the Eagles defensive front which was the best defensive front best I mean most sacks by by a defense this season says a lot about how that game went um, and then just the the way that the the Chiefs were able to use motion to really get the Jeez. to get the defense <laughs> off kilter I mean they'd move a guy behind the line or, or into the backfield and then play I mean snap the ball and then move him right back to where he was uh, that led to to the two touchdowns uh, by Tony and uh, oh I'm drawing a blank on the second one um, but both of those touchdowns same play just different sides of the field and uh, and made the difference um, you throw in the, the fumble by Jalen Hurts um, that was I mean truly looking at it that was the deciding play in that game if if he doesn't hold on to that they go down and get any points you're probably looking at it at a really different game in this in this Super Bowl but uh, not the case the fumble happens uh, they are Nick Bolton is able to return the the fumble recovery into a touchdown and uh, and really change the dynamic of that contest and uh, it was it was just a fun Super Bowl talking about the the hold the defensive holding or pass interference whatever they actually called there in the in the fourth quarter final minutes or two minutes of the game my problem with that foul is it a foul yes Yes, it is a foul. So in that regard, okay, yes, you call it. My problem is, and everybody says, well, would they call that in the first quarter? That's where I have a feeling that they wouldn't. I just don't think that's called in the first quarter. I think that's uh, – yes, the, well, the DB well, Bradbury the said that he that he did hold him. Do I think it decided the game? I mean, in some regards, yes, but like, like Nick Sirianni said and some others – there was other instances throughout that game that also decided that contest. So, and I agree with that. I've always been that way. My thing is, is I don't think that gets called in the first quarter for all those that said, hey, I mean, if you would call it in the first, got to call it in the fourth in the final minute or two. Yes, I agree. I don't think that one's getting called in the first quarter. Well, my biggest problem is that they weren't calling – penalties like that all game long why yes. start at that particular moment yep. and you know what i think the fans would prefer that you let them play like like i said earlier i enjoyed how they were officiating the game i really feel like they just let them be physical they let them play a little bit um they took a little long on some of the replays but other than that i thought they did a pretty good job up until that moment and i think when you're an official in that big moment they should be they should run through the scenario a million times in their head and if there's like a 50-50 call, I think at that point in this major of a game, you got to just take the whistle out of your mouth. I, I just, I don't even think he would have caught it, you know, if it would have been completely clean. I don't think he held him that bad. I mean, he might have tugged a jersey for half a second, but we can go through every single play of that game and find a penalty that they didn't call. I mean, that's just, that's just football. Uh, was it egregious enough to call? Absolutely not. And that's what bothers me. And uh, the consistency that you're calling throughout the game is important. And they weren't calling that early. And they decided to call that one late. And that's what bothered me most. To what? Oh, sorry. I was talking in your ear. I wasn't going over the recording. Huh. Anyways. <laughs> I didn't know you were uh, doing that now. Yeah, I have the ability to talk back. Okay, let's uh, take my, two. Take two, three, two. So they weren't even one. like. So my problem is that they weren't even calling that in the beginning of the game. So you can't just decide to call it in the biggest spot in the fourth quarter with the Super Bowl on the line. Yeah. But we're on to the NBA season now that football is all wrapped up, and we've got some exciting things to talk about.
Go ahead, Brad. You can leave this one. All right. You're our NBA expert. I I really haven't watched a ton of NBA this season, if we're being honest. Well, what's wrong with you, Steve? Not committed to game on? I am. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fair. I haven't watched a whole... Okay, so... Full disclosure, I haven't really watched yes. a whole lot of NBA since the bubble. Okay, that's fair. Well, I feel like and basketball I, season doesn't really start till February, March anyway. And so I, that's, that's And I okay. know my Lakers won it that year, but here's the other thing. Get it, John. Play those pearly whites. Um... When it comes to LeBron James, not a big fan. Oh, okay. And he's on your Lakers. And he's so on my Lakers, probably, uh... so it really makes it hard to pay okay. attention to the league in general. Okay. Well, so, I yeah. hope you uh, have been watching for the past hour because it's time for the game on NBA Midseason Awards. Now, during this session, we're going to be covering the best team, the MVP, the most improved player, Defensive player of the first half, rookie of the first half, best coach of the first half, and of course, last but not least, our sixth man of the first half of the NBA season. I will go ahead and lead it off because I am the NBA guy, I guess. So uh, (laughs) let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, Okay, I'm going to start Thank you for being authoritative with that. I think I'm the NBA Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I just, I just uh, got to adjust here. Uh, I- I'm running the show now. Damn it! Okay, let's do it. Okay. I feel like you don't, you don't get to run it enough. I don't, and you know what? So here you go. You're really holding me back, Steve. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You could be um, on skip. Oh it wasn't God. For me. There would be. Uh, a lot of. You thought Shannon Sharp was ready to kick his butt. Uh, I would walk off the set in five minutes. I, I, I can't do that. I can't do it. Anyways, okay, let's get into it. NBA midseason awards um, for the best team. I have the Boston Celtics out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, now they are a. Thank you. They are a league best, forty-two and seventeen this season. Uh, it's really impressive what they've been able to do considering the preseason uh, off-season drama that they had with their coach uh, Umi Adoka. Um, as we all remember, there was a little bit of a uh, scandal with him and a former employee of the organization. Um, that got kind of messy, and so they went in a different direction with their head coach. And um, a lot of question marks entering the year for them, but they have really managed to come together as a team and, um, you know, Coach Joe Mazzula has really done a fantastic job with the Celtics because they could have easily let this whole drama kind of affected their team chemistry, but they're not. They picked up right where they left off last year. And that addition of Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench, um, as we discussed in our preseason special, uh, has been huge for them. So I've got the Boston Celtics as the best team of the first half. And to tie along with that, I have coach of the first half going to Joe Mazzula. Um, kind of already said it all. What he's been able to step into with no head coaching experience and just kind of take the reins and calm everybody down, get the ship right. Um, you know, enough can't be said for what he's done this year so far. So give me the Celtic back-to-back there. I would agree with you. That's who I had as the best team. Uh, the Celtics with a league best winning percentage of 71.2%. Uh, like you mentioned, 42 and 17 on the season, 24 and 7 at home this year. Uh, especially with everything that is surrounding that team as well. I, I give them the best team title, and I give uh, Joe Mazzula the coach of the year at this midseason point. All right, let's go ahead and move into our most valuable player. I'm ignoring you. Our most (laughs) valuable player for the first half of the year. It's a tale as old as time, folks. Your MVP of the first half, according to Brad. 
Mr. Nikolaj Jokic. Mr. Jokic is averaging a triple-double in the first half. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. And the most impressive part of that, he's doing that in only 33.6 minutes per game. Now, I think it can't be overstated how much he means to the Denver Nuggets. Um, there is an interesting stat here that I wanted to bring up. Um, it's called an expe uh, expected wins on the year. Um, with Jokic, they're at 67 expected wins on the season. Without him, they're at 18. That is first in the league by a long shot. And they are at the top of the West right now. And they're going to be an interesting team going into the playoffs to see if they are for real or not. Um, but the difference with this year's squad is that Jokic finally has some of those pieces around him healthy that he hasn't had in past years mm -hmm. with Murray um, and the additions in the offseason. So, Christian Brown. I mean, they, they've got a name wrong. <laughs> they've got a few guys uh, that they haven't had in past, you know, playoff runs. So, I think they could uh, make a make a a run at the you know at least the Western Conference Championship. Let's let's call it that. But my first half MVP is the Joker, Nikolai Jokic. I went with uh, the Joker as well for all the same reasons. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to me does he actually win the award at the end of the season if he continues mm -hmm. on the way that he is averaging a triple double with nearly 25 points 11 rebounds 10 assists does he claim his third NBA MVP crown or yeah. do the voters go with someone else just to avoid giving him his third one if they do it's ridiculous it is and you go back into this debate of you know i remember lebron in this prime when you could say oh well lebron realistically he could win it every season i mean is he the most valuable player every year yeah he is but it's hard to win consecutive mvp awards let alone a three-peat and a knock against Jokic has been, well, he's not getting it done in the playoffs. That's a little unfair, seeing how his team has really had a lot of injuries um, to deal with during those runs. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also kind of a knock on him that he's not really a big defensive presence in the paint on the uh, for the Nuggets. But, uh, I mean, he's one of the best defensive rebounders in the game. Um he throws his weight around. He knows how to cut off angles. Uh, I, I don't see that as an issue myself, um, but it is what it is. I, I think it's just really hard to deny what he means to that team and uh, how damn impressive he's been over the last few seasons. Yep. I, I agree with you. All right. Completely Let's agree. kick it over to our most improved player of the first half of the year. I'm going with Utah Jazz's own Laurie Markkinen. Okay. Markkinen's an interesting story here. Um, he was part of the Donovan Mitchell trade that sent Mitchell over to Cleveland. Um, I think a lot of people wrote off the Jazz this year. Um, didn't expect much from them. But with the help of Markkinen, uh, they are vying for the playoffs right now. They are, I believe they are in the... Uh, I want to say they're in the 10 seed or something like that. They're, they're close to the play-in game. And before the season, you would have expected them to be vying for the worst record in the league. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, marketing on the year has 24 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists uh, a game. And the uh, biggest thing that jumped out to me about marketing was his points per game this year are up 10 from last year. That, paired with the uh, Jazz unlikely success, I'm giving my most improved player to Laurie Markkinen. I'm going to go with Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder. You might be thinking, oh, you're just a Thunder fan. I'm not a Thunder fan. <laughs> He's really not. I'm probably the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. um, I am overly critical of him. But what SGA has done so far this season with Chet Holgram not getting – 
to play this year, suffering the injury before the season. What not only SGA has done individually, but what he has done in willing this team into a potential playoff spot, which is probably the worst thing that could have happened. But in reality, it has also made him probably a franchise-type player. He went from being an all-star caliber to now he is a guy that maybe you can truly build this this franchise on, along with guys like Chet Holgram and uh, Josh Giddy and others. 30.9 points so far this season per game. Nearly five rebounds, nearly two steals, and almost six assists for SGA, along with averaging a block a game. All around, he is getting it done. A guy that uh, I, I think when that trade was made a few years ago, people thought, oh, okay, that's a really good piece. It's turned into be a, a great piece for the Oklahoma City Thunder and, and what he has done in, in continuing to improve and has truly stepped his game up. Um, I've got to go with SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander as the most improved player. I don't hate the pick. Um, I think a lot of people have known that SGA is a bona fide star the past couple of years yeah. at least, but I totally get where you're coming from as far as um, most improved player uh, for this. So uh, I don't hate it. Um, let's go ahead and move to defensive player of the first half. I'm heading to Memphis. I'm going with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um he has only played in 39 games this year, but he is averaging 3.3 blocks per game. Uh, that's a total of 127 blocks in 39 games. Pretty impressive. His 3.3 average leads the league. Um, the next uh, block leader in the league is at 2.8, so he is a about a half of a block up on his next competition. Uh, his versatility is really uh, impressive as well. He's able to kind of switch off those ball screens, defend guards when he needs to. Um, he also averages a steal per game, so he's able to hop in those passing lanes when he needs to as well. Just kind of an all-around defensive stud. Um, he missed the first part of the year, but he has come back with a vengeance. Uh, let's see if he can continue it, but he is my defensive player of the first half. Yeah, I, I agree with you. His uh, defensive field goal percentage when it comes to field goals defended at the rim sits at 45.1 percent pretty dang solid there um and keeping opponents uh having difficulty there close to the rim so i agree with you what jaron jackson jr has done so far this season in a limited showing as he sub he was coming off that injury early in the season um he has been impressive for the grizzlies yeah, I agree. And I think he's a really good complement uh, inside with Steven Adams. Um, you know what you're getting out of Steven Adams. He's just kind of going to be a brick shit house in a, in a sense. But uh, Jaron Jackson gives them a little more flexibility on the defensive end. So I uh, really like what they got cooking up in Memphis. Um, and, and, and defensive player <clears throat> of the year is always a difficult one, I feel like. It is. Um, it's hard to me to kind of differentiate because I feel like, you know, in the past however many years, uh, 15, let's say, I feel like it's really become a guard-dominated league uh, just because of even the big guys are kind of like switched out into the guard roles. They're able to ball handle. Stretch they're able boards. to pass. Yeah, yeah you, you look at Luca, Katie, all those guys. I mean, they can, they can run the offense themselves. So um, it's hard to – I feel like it's not the era of the big man in the NBA anymore. So when you get a guy like Jaron Jackson who's, you know, tossing up three, three almost three and a half blocks per game, I think that's pretty massive. And in today's NBA, he's got to be that versatile defender that he is as well. Um, you can't underestimate what that does when he's able to switch off those screens, um, you know. A lot of big men kind of get trapped in that game, and he is definitely not one of them. He can handle his own against those quicker guards. And that, you know, steal a game he's averaging is even big. Um, he clogs up the lane and makes it difficult for opposing offenses. Uh, let's go ahead and move over to our rookie of the first half. I think this is probably going to be unanimous. Might not be much argument here. Go ahead and say I'm for going. Me. I'm going with Orlando Magic rookie Paolo Banquero. He is he is averaging 
20 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists a game. I think one of the more impressive stats that I saw along with a lot of other people have uh, pointed out as well, he's getting to the line 7.5 times a game. Um, that is pretty damn impressive for a rookie to have that poise, to have that intelligence to really attack the rim, know that you got to get to the line really to get started in these uh, NBA games nowadays. Um, 75% from the free throw line as well, so he's knocking down his free throws. Uh, you know, this was kind of like a Utah Jazz situation that I was mentioning earlier. A lot of people rode off the Orlando Magic before the season started. Uh, they're in the rebuilding phase, of course, but, uh, you know, they're four games out of the play in themselves. So really impressive what uh, all the expectations that were on Bancaro for him to follow through like he has been so far. Um, he's my rookie of the year. Ditto. First half, sorry. Ditto. Okay. Enough said. <laughs> um, did you give us your coach or? Yeah, I went with uh, Joe. Joe as well? Okay, cool. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up with our sixth man of the first half. Uh, again, I mentioned this when we first discussed the NBA season. Um, the Boston Celtics are a scary, scary-looking team this year. We already know what they could do with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. But the off-season addition, the most important off-season addition of this past offseason has been Malcolm Brogdon. And he is my sixth man of the first half. He is the Celtics' third leading scorer coming off the bench, averaging 14 points, uh, four rebounds, four assists. He is going to come up huge for them in the playoffs. Um, I really think this is their year to uh, really establish their dominance out in the Eastern Conference. I like that one. I would have gone with that one, except I knew you were going to go with that one, and I knew we were probably going to be very similar on a lot of these. So I'm changing it up, Brad. Okay. Russell Westbrook. All right. Los Angeles Lakers, now with the Utah Jazz. <laughs> Russ that sounds been, weird, doesn't it? It does sound really weird. <laughs> uh, Russ, 14.6 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 7 Assist per game, nearly eight. Has just been impressive since they Darvin Ham moved him to uh, the bench instead of a starting role. He has grown and, and flourished in that role and um, still one of the more dynamic athletes uh, playing in the league, even at his age. Um, he, sh he has shown that he's still capable. Um, yeah, he can't shoot the three. He really hasn't ever been able to shoot the three. Um, he's still able to, to make things happen, though. He's dynamic. He, he's gritty. And uh, he showed that off the bench for the Lakers this season as well prior to being traded to Utah. Surely he's not in Utah too long, correct? No, I, I wouldn't imagine so. Um, Got to think there's going to be a buyout there. And, and then that'll be a fun one to see where does he end up. Yeah, uh, you know, a Patrick's nice addition to a, contender, a contending team later in the year. Uh, that could be, you know, like you said, it could be very interesting. Could he be, a, be uh, I think he ends up Phoenix? Oh, oh, man, no. Backing up? No. Chris Paul? No. He doesn't like KD, does he? I don't know. I don't know. Have they sewed up their hatred have, for I each other? No, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe the Clippers? I mean, I wouldn't put it past. The who players. knows? Maybe the Mavericks. Who knows? They're throwing everything they can against the wall and seeing what sticks. They Why are. not? What? Let, let's talk about it. Okay. Let's talk about. We got to get it out of the way. Okay. Actually, you want to run down? You want to? Let's do, do a recap. Do the recap. You recap, and then we'll. Before get it. I get too flustered with yes. the Mavericks talk. Yes. Let's get. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Our game on NBA midseason awards. Uh, my picks this first half are best team of the first half. I have the Boston Celtics league best 42 and 17 record overcoming their um, offseason coaching situation. And like I said, adding Malcolm Brogdon to their rotation, huge. Uh, I'll take the Boston Celtics as my best team of the first half. MVP, I have Jokic 
averaging a triple-double in just 33 minutes a game. Um, expected win rate way higher with him on the floor. Number one in the league. It's hard to deny the man has an impact uh, when he's on the floor. Most improved player, I have Laurie Markkinen on the Utah Jazz. Uh, points per game has increased 10 points in this year. Uh, Utah is vying for the playoffs. I mean, a, a surprise out there. So, uh, Laurie Markkinen, most improved player. My defender of the first half, I'm going with Jaron Jackson Jr., he is leading the league with 3.3 blocks per game. Versatile defender, can switch off those screens, handle a lot of those guards that he gets matched up with. Also adds a steal per game. Rookie of the first half, I have Paolo Bencaro. Uh, 20 points a game, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. It's getting to the line over 7 times a game, uh, shooting at a 75% clip. And the Magic, four games out of the play-in for the playoffs. So, uh, well done by Ben Caro in the first half of the year. Uh, my coach of the year, there's a Celtics theme with my picks here. I have Joe Mazzula. As I mentioned before, uh, when I was going over the Boston Celtics, what they overcame to start the year with their coaching um, debacle has been really impressive. That is a professional group of basketball players in that locker room, and Joe has done a great job keeping them on track. And finally, my sixth man of the first half is Boston Celtics' Malcolm Brogdon. He is third on the Boston Celtics in scoring uh, at 14 points a game. He's also adding in four rebounds for assists as well. You really love Boston. I'm 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 on Boston this year. And you know, it was tempting to I was looking at Jason Tatum as my MVP as well. So it was I guess I'm all in this season for the Celtics. Apparently Apparently I'm a big Boston fan. Your cousin from Boston. Yeah, you know me. They call me accent. Boston Brad. That's what they always Imagine called me. They have. <laughs> it's actually what you pick up ladies with. That's right. You use an accent and everything. All right. I like them apples. Apples. Okay. Um, oh, LeBron's losing his mind again. <laughs> Drop to your knees. Do it. Do it, you big crybaby. Can't watch that. Drop to your knees. Give us your recap, Steve. All right. My game on midseason NBA awards. Best team, Boston Celtics. I mean, just look at the record. They're sitting atop the NBA with the best win percentage at 71.2%. I'm going to go MVP, Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, averaging a triple-double so far this season. Who cares if he's already won it twice? Give it to him a third time at least at this midway point. Most improved player, Shea Gilgis Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder. SGA has went from being an all-star to a franchise-caliber player. And I did not record any of this. So let's start back over. Best team, the Boston Celtics are my best team option. 71.2 win percentage so far this season. Sitting atop the NBA, give it to them. They are the best team so far at midseason as we head into this all-star break. MVP, I'm going to go with the Joker, the Nuggets center. He has been impressive, averaging a triple-double so far this season. Give it to him a third-time NBA MVP voters. Most improved, SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He has gone from a all-star to a franchise-caliber player, so I'm going to go with SGA best defender. I'm going with Jaron Jackson for a lot of the reasons that Brad added. Uh, his defended at the rim field goal percentage. Opponents shooting just 45% when he's defending at the rim. And like Brad mentioned, a league best 3.3 blocks per game. Best rookie. I'm going with Paolo Banchero of the Magic. I mean, who else are you really going to give it to? Not a lot of great options in the rookie class. Coach Joe Mazzula of the Celtics for all the reasons that I've already stated. 
And the sixth man, I am going to go with Russell Westbrook III of the Los Angeles Lakers, now the Utah Jazz. He has been impressive since Darvin Ham moved him out of the starting lineup. Looked a lot like the old Russ. Uh, still can't shoot a three. So those are my midseason NBA awards. Well done. I had to redo them because I don't know if you – you like I lost your audio. I don't know if you muted yourself. I did, yeah. Okay. So I, I had to restart. So I'm going to have to go back and edit that. And I'll edit this part. Yeah. They'll never know. They're stupid. Never know. <laughs> Our audience is dumb. <laughs> Idiot. This is going great. <sighs> so the Mavericks yes. drive me crazy, right? Yes, the Mavericks. Um, they made a trade. Yeah, they sure did. Um, he Was he worried he was going to fall off the... The planet. <laughs> the flat earth, the yes. The flat earth when he got to doubt. Yes, like, of course. Can he play in San Antonio? That's really one of those situations where it's like, yes, I am desperate for the Mavericks to get that help that Luka so desperately needs. And yes, Kyrie has immense talent, and he can definitely help them. But could you pick literally anybody else that could help them? I mean, the last player that I wanted them to obtain and they did it um but here we are he's it's there it's been about a week yeah since the trade yes how you feeling you've you seen know, him play now yeah i mean i i know what he is i yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm, you've seen him in a mavericks uniform now the problem is him and luca haven't been on the court very much uh court very much together yet so it's kind of really hard to gauge it as of this point the Mavericks did pull off some impressive victories while Luka was out and Kyrie was in. That was interesting to me. Um, I think they've been all, only been able to play one or two games together. Um, so there's going to be a lot of meshing in the second half of the year. Uh, tonight, they are playing the Denver Nuggets. Kyrie is out uh, with a back designation. So I think he's just trying to get to the All-Star break in one piece. Um they're going to be losing to the Denver Nuggets, so there's your live update on my misery continuing with the Mavericks. But um, <laughs> I will say this: um, they had to they had to make a move. So I mean, you know, it's it's swinging for the fences, which I can I can appreciate it. Um, do I think it's going to work? No, I do not. Um, and when I saw, you know, that Irving was the choice to bring in. One of the first questions I asked myself was, why didn't we just try and re-sign Brunson? I mean, they had a really good thing going last year with Jalen Brunson and um, Luca kind of leading the way. Um, I love their off-season acquisition of Christian Wood as well. I think Wood is who they were missing in their playoff run last year when they made it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, they still need a rebounder, uh, a guy who can... Uh, clean the glass a little bit um it's so crazy that they are even uh this week they worked out lamarcus aldridge 37 year old lamarcus aldridge uh, so um again. as we know aldridge has been out of the league um but he is looking to make his return is and Greg Olden, odin busy <laughs> don't don't put it out of their uh don't put it out of their capabilities because mark cuban will do anything apparently I'm I done. I just pictured uh, I, in my I, I just up. pictured in my head a uh, Shark Tank of Mark Cuban sitting there, and Greg Oden walks in and is like, "Sharks, I would like to interest you in." <laughs> you son of a bitch! I'm in. Forty-year-old <laughs> center, seven feet tall, with I, six bad knees. Mark and Cuban looks like tends, he's eighty-four years old. Mark Cuban tends to. Um, not pay out the necessary amount of money to teams that had success in the previous year. Uh, you look at the 2011 championship team, he made the decision not to return a lot of those players who helped get him that trophy. Um, you know, you could say, yeah, salary, salary cap issue, blah, 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 whatever yeah. it may be. Um, he apparently thought their window was done after 2011, which I don't think was true, but 
that's the move he made. And then last year, uh, they overachieved, made it to the Western Conference Finals, which was a huge, huge, huge move up, uh, especially in Luka's career. Uh, and then decides to let Jalen Brunson walk to the New York Knicks. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's a bit of a roller coaster with Cuban at the head. So uh, I guess I will just keep holding on for dear life. Hey, I mean, my team has LeBron on it, so. At least it's uh, entertaining, I guess. Yeah. It's not boring. That's true. Very, very true. All right, time for the top three, the NBA All-Star Game and weekend. It's coming up this weekend. Brad, I don't know if you knew that. I did know that. You did, okay. And you know what else is this weekend? The NBA dunk contest. It is indeed. That is what we call a transition in this business, boys and girls. It's time for our top three dunk contest dunks. Do you not have the test queued up? Oh, oh, you want it again? Okay. (laughs) Gets me going. Brad gets a lady friend over and he's like, let me turn something on. Yes. You used to have hair like John Tesh a little bit. Yeah, you know, my uh, my John Tesh playlist has never failed me, so. Oh, man. All right. Top three dunk contest dunks. Brad, I'll let you lead it off, my friend. Okay. Now, I think this might be a controversial uh, segment we have this week because I think think people are going to be passionate over the top three dunks of all time. I just want to specify that I'm counting as top three in-game dunks of all time. Oh, you're not going um, dunk contest? No. I thought that's what... I clarified that with you before oh. the show. I misread the text then. <laughs> okay. This is, this is awkward. Okay, how about this? You speak for our dunk contest top three. Okay. I'll speak for our in-game top three. Jesus. Are you drunk? Tonight? What's going on with you? Did you leave now? I'm going back and reading. (laughs) Okay. 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 Anyways. Uh, Game (laughs) off. Oh, yeah. I I did say almost just the top three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. A little too much in the bottle there. All right. Um, You you go ahead and uh, explain what you're about to to read here. Okay. I have Game On's top three dunks nba in-game all-time dunks once again i'm going to say that in a better way game on's top three in-game dunks of all time all right coming in at number three i have we have now blake griffin over kendrick perkins this was impressive to me for uh, a couple different reasons. I was going back and forth with the Mozgov dunk versus the Perkins dunk. Um, Blake Griffin, prime Blake Griffin, when he was healthy, was one of the best dunkers I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, the thing that impressed me most about this particular dunk was the physicality uh, involved with it. He had a Kendrick Perkins, who weighs in at probably close to 600 pounds, coming at him in the lane, jumping up, and Blake Griffin absorbs Kendrick Perkins and still manages to throw one down on his head and one one of Blake Griffin's best moments in the NBA. Coming in at number two, I have Vince Carter over Alonzo Mourning. Back in the New Jersey Net days, Vince Carter. Uh, Vince Carter is my favorite dunker of all time. Just want to get that out of the way now. I think he is the most impressive. Uh, I think he has the best resume. And you know what? I think his dunking ability really overshadowed overshadowed how good of a player he actually was, too. Um, 
but that's for another segment. Anyways, Vince Carter over Alonzo Mourning, uh, one of the best shot blockers in the league, Alonzo Mourning. Uh, what impressed me about this particular dunk was this was kind of a broken play. Uh, they were scrambling for the ball. It was tipped out to the three-point line. Vince Carter tracks it down uh, with a defender rushing at him, goes behind the back, dribble around the arc, and then takes it into the paint, uh, goes up against Alonzo Mourning, and cocks back midair to avoid the block, and then proceeds to throw it down over Alonzo Mourning, one of the best shot blockers of that era. So, number two, Vince Carter over Alonzo Mourning. And number one, best dunk in a game in NBA history, we have the GOAT, Michael Jordan, dunking over Patrick Ewan. Now, Bulls, Knicks, playoffs. The scene has already set itself, right? But MJ, being the best of all time, he has, he has some other things in mind for the New York Knicks. Uh, this was a special play because he actually had... Uh, Charles Oakley guarding him uh, right around the baseline area and he manages to spin away from Charles Oakley uh, going baseline and then of course he meets Patrick Ewing at the rim one of the best players of that era one of the best shot blockers of that era and MJ proceeds to dunk all over Patrick Ewing with no remorse um the whole play was just so beautiful and such an MJ essence that we have it at our top spot. Uh, the spin move, the elevation, and the finish, just a thing of beauty. Prime Michael Jordan tops our list. I like it. I like the list, Brad. I do have an honorable mention. I'll just get okay. it out of the way. Go ahead. I don't know if you remember this, but this is part of the Lob City era. I have DeAndre Jordan over Brandon Knight. Uh, this was an alley-oop situation. Uh, back in the day, Chris Paul had DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin that he would just toss endless alley-oops to. This was a murder on live television. Um, CP3 found Jordan cutting through the middle of the lane. Poor helpless Brandon Knight went up for some reason because he thought he was going to do something to stop DeAndre Jordan, and that just simply did not happen. Uh, one of the best multiple replay dunks of all time. It looks so good from every angle, and that poster, wow, a thing of art. So we got to give a shout-out to DeAndre Jordan for essentially ending Brandon Knight as a human being. Gotcha. I got you. All right. I did my research. Okay. So I can go with you here. Okay. You want me to go with you? Go with me. That's what that noise was. Sorry about that. Okay. Apologies. Apologies. All right. Number three on my list of the top three dunks in game. John Stark's dunk in the 1993 Eastern Conference Finals against the Bulls. Some will say he dunked over Michael Jordan. Eh, Jordan came over late to help defensively. Either way, it was a throwdown, and it got the Knicks and New York City going crazy. Plus, John Starks is from Booker T. Washington, or from Tulsa, I mean. He didn't play at Booker T. He yes, sir. He's from Tulsa. 918. 918. Represent. So, Starks dunk in the 1993 Eastern Conference Finals. My number two, Shaquille O'Neal just throwing it down on Chris Dudley. <laughs> so disrespectful. So disrespectful. I mean, he, like, hung on the rim a little extra. He, like, gave it that, like, full body shake all on Chris Dudley. Shaq on Dudley was just – so wrong. And then my number one is right there with you. Jordan on Ewing going baseline. I mean, it, it's just one of those that stands out in your mind of just the all-time dunks. It really does. And 
<clears throat> as I ranted on about it, um, I think he beat three defenders on that single play. Uh, he got around his guy where Charles Oakley had to step over. He gets and, to the baseline. Uh, yeah. Oakley comes over. He does a little fake spin move there. And then old Patrick slides over and gets disrespected just like he's doing as the head coach of Georgetown. <laughs> and, a f you know, interesting enough, one of the uh, other most disrespectful dunks I've ever seen, Scotty Pippen over Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Um, if you recall that, he uh, threw it down over Patrick and he proceeded to push him as he was falling down just to add insult to injury. So uh, the Bulls really had Ewing's number, apparently. So, Do you, um, do you want my top three dunk contest ones? Um, go ahead. While we're at it. Uh, yes. So do your top three dunk contest and then just do a recap of your okay. previous three. Okay. I can do that. I can definitely do that. Um, my top three dunk contest dunks. Number three, Aaron Gordon over the mascot under his legs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just one of those that when it happened, everybody went crazy. Mm -hmm. Everybody did. Top three. It's my number three. My number two, Vince Carter, elbow dunk. We all tried to do it on our seven and a half foot or eight foot goal <laughs> after that with the smaller basketball. Vince going and throwing it down and then putting his elbow, hanging from his elbow as he put his forearm in the goal. I mean, it was it's it's number two in my book, and then the number one, Zach Levine, free throw line between the legs. He mm. took all of the great dunks and merged them into one, and it's number one in my book when it comes to dunk contest dunks. I like that. Uh, there's a theme with your list that I see for myself here in my opinion um i feel like all of those guys their dunk contest was at a point in time in the nba where it felt like all the dunks that could have been done were done yes. but they were the ones to do something new to do something innovative to get excitement back into this contest uh, i mean yeah. vince carter the most famous dunk contest of all time in my opinion uh all of his incredible um <laughs> dunks he had that year and then you i mean you know once once the guys like vince carter were done and everything we were like okay well we've seen everything yeah um there's not going to be anything new to see but credit to aaron gordon and zach levine because uh they really kept the the bar um going up in the nba for that dunk contest all right, and then the uh, the recap of my in-game NBA all-time dunks. Top three, John Starks dunk in the 1993 Eastern Conference Finals. No, he didn't dunk over MJ specifically, but MJ was within the area. He was within the poster. Number two, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq Daddy throwing it down on Chris Dudley. Number two, with ease there, just completely disrespecting my man from the Knicks. And then my number one is a little return action against the Knicks. Michael Jordan throwing it down on Patrick Ewing, like he gets done to him as the head coach of Georgetown every single night. Those are my top All three. Right. All right, and my top three, um, top three in-game NBA dunks of all time. Number three, I have Blake Griffin over Kendrick Perkins. Uh, just the sheer, sheer physicality of that dunk was what impressed me the most. Blake Griffin attacking the paint. Big Kendrick Perkins coming over, challenging him. Throws his body into him, fouls him. But Blake Griffin maintains his control midair and throws it down on Kendrick Perkins' head. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Number two, I have... Vince Carter over Alonzo Mourning. Uh, Carter started this play with a fantastic chase down of a loose ball, goes behind his back, attacks the paint. Who's there waiting for him? One of the best shot blockers in the league, Alonzo Mourning. Mid-air, Vince Carter cocks it back to avoid the block and still throws it down over Alonzo Mourning. Beautiful, beautiful stuff again. And number one, 
Michael Jordan, NBA playoffs against the New York Knicks. Um, really, MJ beat three defenders on this play. Uh, he beat his original man. Charles Oakley comes out, tries to help. MJ hits him with a little spin move baseline, goes up, meets Patrick Ewing at the rim, and dunks it down over one of the greatest big men who have ever played in the game. And that is why he's the greatest of all time. Very fair. I agree. I agree, Brad. No doubt about it, my man. All right. Well, I think that's all we had. Yeah. Huh? I'm we, done. That's all we can. You're checking out, huh? Uh, that's. You are done. My contract states I've only got so much in me. You are done, done, done. But hey, always remember. You have a call from Woody and Bo Peep. Is a big kid there to speak to them? Well, hi there, little one. It's me, Bo Peep. And hey, howdy, hey, Sheriff Woody's here, too. Now, Okay, first of all, that is the worst Woody <laughs> impersonation ever. That's the first thing that stood out to me when I heard this the first time. Mm -hmm. Continue. Going on quite a big adventure. Well, that's just great. You're going to have so much fun. Oh, yeah. Going to rehab. As long as you stick to the plan, you'll be a surefire success. Oh, and if you ever want to talk again, just let us know. We always love spending time with you. Bo Pete's right. Check in anytime. Well, so long for now, partner. Thanks. I don't like this ominous plan that they keep talking about. I'm going to have to give this number a call and figure out what's going on here because there's some uh, tomfoolery afoot here, I feel like. Just stick to the plan, Brad. Yeah, just stick to the plan, man. Stick to the plan. Who are they going to get next? John Wick? <laughs> Whoa, dude, stick to the plan. Or I'm going to shoot 37 guys in one room. I have a special set of skills. Liam Neeson, yes. Liam. I believe he voiced uh, something in Toy Story, actually. Did he? No. Yeah, I think so. Fact check me. Live. I'm checking right now. Stick to the plan. Um, Toy Story 3. He comes up in a search on Google. When I said... Toy Story and Liam Neeson. So hold on. <laughs> oh no, he was he uh, for Ned Beatty was cast as lots of actors like Jeff Bridges, Mark Hamill, Liam Neeson, blah 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 blah. Were all considered to voice the character. Damn. All right, fair enough. So it doesn't look like. Hold on, let's see. Just double check here. Um, Toy Story. I'm not seeing anything. On Disney.fandom.com, Wiki, Liam Neeson does not come up. Well, there's a new Toy Story coming out, so who knows? Yeah, Toy Story 5? Yeah. According to Tim Allen? Interesting. Interesting. Also, real quick, let's just talk college basketball for just a, like, Okay, okay. Oklahoma. What mm. the hell? I don't know. We'll beat the know. number two team in the nation. We'll beat a top 15 team. Porter's not going to Notre Dame. He came out and said that. Well, the crazy thing is they're going to have some of the best wins oh, on they, their resume. Yeah, they're, they're, their quad one is insane. But you can't – I don't feel like you can put them in at this point. If they win three more games and win a game in the, in the Big 12 tournament. I agree, but that's a long. That's a lot. Hard I know. That's road asking for them. a whole lot. If they somehow win two games in the conference, if they, what's going to be funny? And somebody mentioned this on on the radio that I was listening to today. They were like, "This is setting up for OU to just go win the conference tournament, isn't it?" I thought about that myself. Yeah. Like they're going to fool around and then go win the conference tournament. 
you just i mean honestly you gotta get hot at the right time so who knows you do you do indeed my friend all right that's it for us tonight uh or today or whenever you're listening to this mid-afternoon early morning however you like your brad and steve i'm not gonna make a dirty comment I was just letting it hang, see if you... <laughs> I thought you were going to get in my ear bit, there and say, don't, bit, don't. If you bit on it. Nope. All right. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook and TikTok. Game on Pod is how you can find us there. Uh, Twitter, Game on Guys. Visit our website, GameOnPod.com. That's how you can catch all of this, the whole show. You can also find all of our social media, where to find the show, all of that, your favorite podcast provider. You can always email us at emailgameon at gmail.com as well. For Brad Bollinger, I'm Steve Braun. This has been yet another edition of Game On. Two, one, two, three. Are you ready, America? It's time for another edition of Game On. With your host, Stephen, Stevie Ray Braun, and Brad Bad News Bollinger. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Game on.